Marty here, calling in from beautiful and summer-like Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Jim. Larry Michigan here, calling in today from Northbrook, Illinois, where it's overcast, hot, and humid in September. So we're not quite on top of the seasonal uh, weather conditions, but nobody's complaining as long as it's warm. Uh-huh. Well, September's a beautiful month in Colorado. It's usually in the upper 80s and lower 90s and very little precipitation, blue sky most of the time. So anyway... Yeah, we had some news that came across our computers and news feeds this week that I think it's important that we bring front and center, and that's the number of illnesses that are being prescribed to vaping. And Larry and I want to share some thoughts on that that we have. Larry, what were you thinking here? Well, you know, Jim, it's an interesting moment in the cannabis industry, and it's kind of, in my mind, a very pivotal moment in the cannabis industry. For this reason, we all know that from the first time anybody ever mentioned the idea of medical dispensaries or adult use dispensaries or home grow or anything at all like that, the underlying you know thought process, I think, to the general public is this is just a bunch of stoners looking for a way to get stoned legally. And what our industry has been doing, I think, very successfully for the last seven or eight years is putting out a very consistent and very positive message that says, you know, uh, let's let's know the truth about cannabis. Let's understand it. And you know, these are a lot of the issues that you and I have discussed that we will discuss. And comparatively speaking, with alcohol, and yes, we agree it's not for children, and all sorts of things like this. And the idea, in my mind, has always been that you know to destigmatize or normalize the idea of cannabis so that it's as commonly accepted as is alcohol. But all of a sudden, we have a health problem that appears to be a fairly serious health problem, judging by some of the reports we've read. And the national media is jumping all over itself to see who can tie it in to marijuana and THC the fastest. Uh, and I think that this is the, the kind of problem that they've all been anticipating and looking for and waiting for. And it's going to be incumbent on the uh, legitimate cannabis industry to address this issue very strongly. Yes, well, and it almost doesn't appear to be a marijuana issue. It seems to be more of a vape pen issue because they can't pin down. It appears from the news I'm seeing, the articles I'm reading, they can't even pin it down whether for sure it's from the vape pen itself, never mind whether the person is vaping tobacco products or cannabis products. So it, it seems to be more of a knee-jerk reaction without a lot of evidence that it is truly these lung infections are caused by the vape pen itself or other causes. So that's what I've been reading. And yet, even though I read an article from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control this morning, it said, yeah, we don't know really where it's coming from, but we think everybody should quit e-cigarettes, which seems to be really getting out ahead of it without really understanding what's going on. Well, I think that's right, but we live in a knee-jerk society, especially these days, where every single possible issue can be politicized, and, you know, Lord knows that both sides do it, so try to do it. So now we have a situation where, uh, you know, the Trump administration is going in and trying to get any type of flavored vape tobacco product 
made illegal or at least, uh, you know, not be allowed to be sold anymore. You know, I'm not here to promote the tobacco industry by any means, and I'm sure the tobacco industry will be fighting it. But to suggest all of a sudden that, you know, we, we have to take these kind of drastic steps, I do think is an overreaction. And to tell you the truth, were it only in the arena of tobacco, you know, I probably wouldn't care all that much because tobacco is not my thing. And, you know, quite frankly, I would be much happier in a society with cannabis and no tobacco. But we have it out there, but they can fight their own battle. My concern is, like you say, Jim, when it gets carried over, and instead of people saying, hmm, maybe there's a problem with the particular device, an assumption is automatically made that it must somehow be THC-related as well. And, you know, you and I were talking about this before we started taping the show today. And, you know, whenever somebody comes out and they always, you know, talk about in these generalities about all the terrible, horrible, bad things that marijuana can do to you, you know, and we've all seen Reefer Madness, and we understand that that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much because there's plenty of people today who will still count the link between schizophrenia and marijuana use and you know, any one of a number of other types of mental conditions and now health conditions. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that yeah, I think we all know that you know, those just aren't true. And at least people who really take the time uh, you know, to look at it. And so to me, this is disappointing that somebody else would try to tie this in. But here's why. Until this, I recognize that there's a problem out there right now and we have people who are getting sick and the commonality factor in all of them seems to be the use of vaping equipment. And it does appear that many of them have been vaping THC uh, products. But we also know, and what they've told us, but what hasn't received nearly as much attention, is that most of all of the vaping products that the people who got sick have been using are counterfeit products. They're not products manufactured by state-licensed manufacturers or producers or cultivators or whoever is in charge of doing it in any particular state. Furthermore, we have reports already that are telling us that they've linked, or at least they think they've suspect the problem to be linked, to the fact that these counterfeit products use a vitamin E acetate base to help cut the THC fluid and to make it more of a fluid so it, it burns better. They also, these counterfeit uh, machines burn at a much higher temperature. So I've seen the CDC and others hypothesizing that the high temperature burning of the vitamin E acetate is in fact what could be causing the problem. But it's important to note there that it's a counterfeit pen and not a regular pen. Well, all those are very good comments, and I certainly have opinions in these areas as well. I mean, my understanding is that e-cigarettes are 95% safer than tobacco-based cigarettes. And so one of the concerns is that by the CDC basically telling everyone to get off e-cigarettes, they're going to push people back onto tobacco cigarettes, which we know kills 50 or 60,000 people a year from complications of cigarette smoking. The other yeah. issue is, yeah, standards, labeling, you know, people knowing what they're getting. Uh, I've said this about the, mostly about the CBD products. You got to include CBD products in vaping too, not even marijuana, not yeah. even THC. Um, but CBD vaping is very, very popular and it just hit the market by storm. One of my associates out on Long Island I think there's a chain of drugstores called Hudson Drugs. They had a full aisle right in Action Alley, right by the cash registers of CBD products. And they were not cheap either. They were $30 to $40 for CBD products. And there's a whole product line that's been rushed out to market with virtually no testing, no standards. The 
FDC is only just now beginning to ask the questions, never mind find the answers. So as I've said on this show for many times, this industry needs the research. It needs the R&D. We need to understand these products, be it tobacco-based vape pens or CBD-based vape pens, THC. Um, you know, the customer has so many choices right now. Uh, you can have a vape pen that gets you high. You can have a vape pen that doesn't get you high. You can have a, a vape pen to try to help you quit cigarettes that has nicotine. So, And these are all choices the consumer didn't have as little as two or three years ago. So it's definitely something that's exploded onto the scene. The big question I would have on these 450 is the number I heard the other day of lung infections, a couple of which have been fatal. I wonder what the number of lung infections has been historically. I haven't seen that in any of the news articles. Are we going from 300 to 450? Or are we going from zero last year to 450? That would make a big difference in that piece of knowledge being available to the public. But I know you have some opinions about standards, and um, I would like to see some standards around people who call their marijuana products organic. But I'll bounce the ball to you now, Larry. Well, thank you, Jim. And you raised, I think, the, the most important point of this entire issue. And this has been a real beef of mine for a long time, and it ties back into what I just said before. It relates to, we all look past the obvious answer to try to find a more complicated answer. And to me, when you said how many cases have we had before this, I have no idea what the number is. But what I can tell you is that until a few weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, when these cases really first started popping up on the national news media, I had never read of a case like this before. I'd never heard of it, even uh, you know, anecdotally of somebody who became so ill they report some of these 17 or 18 year olds who all of a sudden have the lungs of a 70 year old man. I'd never heard of anything like this ever happening before. Just like I've never heard of anybody ever smoking marijuana and becoming schizophrenic. So it makes me very, very dubious when I hear this to be able to draw that link. We all know people who smoked cigarettes and died of cancer. So maybe some people say the link exists. Maybe some people say it doesn't exist, but at least you can see where the link is. They keep statistics on those, and every year a certain number of Americans die from lung cancer uh, related to smoking cigarettes. But where is the history of people who have ever gotten sick smoking vapes? And vapes have been around for a long, long time now, probably 10 years or more. And the answer is, we've never seen anything like it. And so the logical response seems to me is that if this was THC-based, or even if this was nicotine-based, we would have been seeing these types of cases popping up at the same rate for the last 10 years. It's not as though all of a sudden one day, you know, our society stopped being able to, you know, to absorb it and to take it in. So the evidence to me appears to be much more along the lines of a particular product line or a couple of product lines that have hit the market relatively recently, and that using those products has now resulted in this spike, if not, you know, total new creation of a, a health issue that we're really seeing. And so I, I'm, I'm a little frustrated when instead of looking at that issue, or like you say, very logically, let's just go back and see what the numbers were before. Everybody's jumping to a conclusion that THC is bad, that vaping is bad. We have to shut it down. We have to stop it. And I think that that, you know, potentially solves a problem for the cannabis industry, for the legal marijuana industry. Because its success has been built on the fact that so many people are starting to accept medical cannabis and adult use cannabis. 
but the news media can very easily turn the tide on that, at least with respect to vaping. And although I don't have the numbers in front of me, I would have to say that vaping is one of the most profitable areas in the legal marijuana market today. Would you concur with that, Jim? Yes, it can be profitable for sure. It's funny you should mention that because a couple of my clients who sell flour say, hey, this is going to be good for the price of flour, which, by the way, has been ticking up nationally and also here in Colorado. So uh, it could yep. put more push more people back to smoking flour, which will be good for some of our cultivation clients. But yeah, let's just talking about the standards, because you know, obviously we need that for this product. We need uh, not this product, but these products, whether it be CBD or THC-based marijuana products, um, the government does have a role to play here in making sure that things people put into their bodies is safe to use. In our free market capitalist system, which I'm a big fan of, we have a buyer beware policy right now. Like I said, you have drugstores with shelves full of CBD products that have virtually no safety standards. And maybe this spike in lung infections is the, the first time we're seeing that. I think that that could very well be true. And, and we're not going to have time today to really get into a standards conversation, but we've been talking about it for a while. And this is going to really push us into it. But to me, it's, it's more than just standards because, again, Jim, you touched on something there, which is, you know, the government's going to start doing testing and the government's going to, you know, try. As a member of this industry, I don't want the government trying to figure out the answer. I want the industry to figure out the answer. If we want to be taken seriously by the rest of society, you know, the, the, the legal cannabis industry, we need to be proactive. We need to be on the forefront of this. The, you know, the, the, the people in this industry, the, the manufacturers who produce legal products, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they need to be out in front. They need to be there explaining to the best they can what they know is going on, why their products are safe, what they do that's different. You know, we need a pushback on the PR that spins the side of the story that we in the industry see it as. Um, but even more than just trying to spin a story, we need to know the results. If, if, the, uh, if the industry goes out and does testing and lo and behold, you know, they come to a conclusion that in certain circumstances, vaping THC can be dangerous. We need to let people know that right now. We cannot be the cigarette industry that sat on dangerous information for years and years and years to the point where, you know, smoking cigarettes is a taboo thing now. You know, we've worked too hard in the cannabis industry to bring it to where it is. We need to stay on top of it. Yes, I agree with what you're saying to a certain extent. But one of my pet peeves with the industry, the marijuana industry, is their self-reporting, self-standard setting particularly around the word organic. I have clients who just rave that they have, they are organic and they will never do anything that is not organic. And this is all self-certified. What's to say their product is organic versus the guy down the street? Is it the chemical they're using to um, the nutrients they're using? There is no, no standard. So, well, I agree with you that the industry does have to be out front and self-regulating outside independent uh, certification is also a piece of it, just like you wouldn't want the cigarette companies telling you, you know, whether cigarettes are safe or not. I think this, the cigarette industry has a long history of hiding its health effects, and they've always been accused of trying to uh, recruit young high schoolers or children who then become lifelong buyers of their product. So Joe Camel, etc. So yeah, we've got a lot of history we can fall back on on what not to do based on the cigarette industry. 
And, you know, my understanding yep. is that the shipment of cigarettes in the United States has, has gone way down in the last few years. And, and potentially it's because of the e-cigarette. It seems like everywhere I go, right. people have their own um, rig for uh, either tobacco or CHC products. And, you know, in the old days, people would pass around a joint. Today, everybody has their own vape pen. They don't really even pass it around. It's more like their own personal right. device. So it's been a very interesting right. two or three years, and I'm glad we hit on this subject. I think we should talk a little bit about music before our time slot ends. Well, if we don't, we're not living up to our name. But yeah, as we both agree, it's been a great summer. We just wrapped up out here with a Dark Star Orchestra show. Um, they reenacted 9783. I did not go up to Red Rocks for that Dark Star Orchestra show, but uh, our 21-year-old son and his girlfriend went. And he goes, Dad, Dad, I think you were at this show. And I, I looked at my uh, <laughs> records and I said, yep, I was definitely at that show. It's amazing that a Grateful Dead tribute band can sell out Red Rocks at 9,500 people. Well, I think that it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, it was funny because when I was thinking of a topic today, you know, for me, the end of the summer was always traditionally the end of the touring season. So whoever it was that you were into, whoever it was you were going to see, um, you know, you, you get to that point in the summer where, you know, it kind of rolls into September. I remember once when I was in law school and the dead came through and played the Starlight Theater in Kansas City and a whole group of us drove over from Columbia, Missouri. Uh, it was great fun, but ultimately, you know, the summer season ends. And so, you know, we all start waiting for spring schedule or for, you know, if they're going to have a fall tour somewhere. But I guess it's, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, Labor Day. It just kind of marks the end of the summer. And and, and I kind of like the fact that, you know, more or less that Fish at Dick's is, is really kind of the end of that whole summer touring season. It really kind of gives it a nice bookend there, I think. It does. And as I mentioned on the previous shows, uh, we have beautiful weather usually, 90 degree during the day. You're comfortable with a T-shirt at night. A couple more comments on the uh, Dark Star show uh, reported from yeah. uh, our son, Jack is he said they really put the money into their sound system because that it, it could have sounded like, just like the Grateful Dead. It was so good. And he said the drum kits look amazingly similar to uh, Bob and Mickey's from the Grateful Dead. So you hear you have a tribute band oh, that's cool. gotten big enough to put the money into their equipment and sounds and instruments uh, to really help them recreate the, the Grateful Dead show. But yes, there's been some fall shows announced. Um, Dead & Company is doing, I guess, around November 1st and Halloween in New York. Uh, Fish is doing a few shows this fall as well. Um, so yep. our bands are still out there, still kicking it, still making 2019 a, a great year for live music. Well, I think you're right, and, and it's always great to go catch those shows and find them wherever you can. It's back to Joe's inside and bringing your coat, trying to have to find a place to put it during the show. and. You know, I love good hot indoor shows as well, but it's just something about that summer, right? And it always makes me think of the closing line of um, uh, U.S. Blues, right? Summer's gone, my oh my. Yep. Like, you hear that phrase, and it's like they, they should be playing that when the kids are going back to school because it's very true. It's like time to get on with the rest of life, and if we can happen to be in the same place at the right time with one of those bands, it's great. But what I like, Jim, about all of these touring bands, whether it's Dark Star Orchestra or even any of you know, the more local that cover bands that exist in every town, is that those are the guys that really do fill in the gaps with the summer touring. And I think that's why they're so wildly successful, 
because if the Grateful Dead and Fish and White spread and that's the trucks toured all year, all the way through, you know, it, it, it could, they couldn't do it. But if they did, people would keep going to see them. So if I can't see the Dead, I'm going to go see Dark Star Orchestra. Quite frankly, they're, you know, they're really good. J-Rad, that's a great band. And the fact that they're out there playing dates really kind of makes it a little bit easier for everyone. Yep. As you said, at the end of U.S. Blues, summertime going to come and go, my oh my which is what's happening yep. as we speak because we're down to the last few days of summer. Exactly right. Exactly right. And speaking mm. of that, and we're not going to nearly have time to give this topic the uh, the attention that it deserves. We've touched on this briefly in the past, but I think we need to dive into it a little more deeply in the next couple of weeks. And that's the whole question of lyrics and lyrics in songs. And I've got some friends who say, doesn't matter what the lyrics are. I'm just listening to the music. I have other people who say, if, if there's not good lyrics, then the song is meaningless to me. Everybody has their own style and taste, but since we're really focusing quite a bit on the dead and we're focusing quite a bit on fish, one of the things that's fascinating to me, and, and you know, we can break this down on a more song-by-song basis as we go forward, is the difference in the lyrics, right? And with the dead, uh, whether it's John Perry Barlow or Robert Hunter, you have songs that tell stories, and sometimes they're silly stories, sometimes they're real stories, but... You know, you, you could read the song lyrics almost by themselves and take something out of it. Whereas Fish has, you know, what I like to call fun lyrics, which are lyrics that seem are just kind of thrown together to rhyme and to kind of fit in with the music that they're playing. But, you know, nobody's going to go read the lyrics of you enjoy myself and come away with much of anything. Whereas the musical experience of it is absolutely tremendous. Well, I don't know, what, we'll just, you know, to, to get this conversation rolling for future shows, what are your thoughts on, you know, the importance of lyrics? Well, I always enjoy the Grateful Dead versus Fish debate. I think there's a lot of merit on both sides. I think Trey is playing guitar like nobody else on the planet. I think he's playing far, far, at a far higher level than, than John Mayer. I haven't seen both Dead and Company and Fish in the last couple of months. But then you switch over the lyrics and, yeah, you know, Hunter to me is another Shakespeare. His, his lyrics are like Shakespeare. Um, you know, you think of some of the fabulous lines from Uncle John's band, Sugary. Like you said, Sugary, you could read that as a poem. And I, I'm with you yeah, that I don't, I don't think Fish's lyrics rise to the level of uh, Shakespearean poetry the way Grateful Dead's do. Well, good. But, but we're going to dive into this a little more deeply. You know, I've got some favorite dead lyrics to talk about. There's some wonderful fish lyrics out there, uh, you know, even within the context of the way they do it that are a lot of fun. Um, so that's something that we've got for future shows. And just something else I want to throw out there now, Jim, for you and I to start thinking about and for our listeners as well. You know, we spend all of this time talking about the wonderful you know, experiences we've had at dead shows and fish shows, and we have. But on the other hand, you know, like any... You know, people who really favor these moments. We have to be able to admit that there's good dead shows, and there was some dead shows that just weren't so good. And then there's others that were so cosmic that, uh, you know, they leave a lasting impression on your soul. And one of the things I'd like us to do over the next few weeks is, you know, come up with our lists of, let's say, our top five favorite Grateful Dead shows, top five favorite fish shows. And then we can, you know, each week we can pull one or two of them out and talk for a few minutes about it. And once again, I would encourage any of our listeners who have seen great dead shows or fish shows to send something in and tell us why you like them, and we'll be sure to share that with uh, the listeners as well. Yes, I'm looking forward to that conversation. 
I guess you were saying not only could the dead have really off the charts great nights and then mediocre nights, they could be back to back. I remember coming home from a, a dead show and just walking on air. It was so good. I couldn't wait to get back there the next night. And then the next night, it seemed like they played every s slow song they knew. So, yeah, in addition to have highs right. and lows, they could be within 24 hours of each other. No doubt about it. And that's all things, boots for thoughts and uh, for more shows. I would like to let the listeners know that uh, although we, Jim and I love taping this show, uh, what we really love is when we have an opportunity uh, to tape this show from the same location. And when that's the case, nine out of ten times, I personally would prefer to be at the barn in Longmont. So as it has it, I am now going to be traveling out to the Colorado area for the next couple of weeks. And so I'm going to have the benefit of getting to tape our next few shows with Jim from the barn. I'm very excited about that, Jim. And I will just say that I hope you have a TV in there that works because I have to be able to watch the Michigan football game. And I do, and I have a satellite dish. So, yeah, we're in good shape there. Beautiful. All right, everybody. Jim and Larry saying goodbye from the Deadhead Cannabis Show. Over and out. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna mom show and we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals healthcare providers policy advocates caregivers moms by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness wisdom and hope i am so grateful to have found my tribe of canna podcasters right here on pod connex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network. Network.